Hello, this is Gordon West, WB6NOA, and you are tuned in to Ham Radio 360 Podcast. MTCRadio.com presents Ham Radio 360, the podcast, with your host, Kale Nelson, K4CDN. It's Kale, K4CDN. Welcome into the second roundup episode of Hamvention 2016. And uh, we're, we're pretty much done, guys. I've got with us KF7IJZ, Jeremy. Hello. And KJ6VU, George Zephyropoulos. Hi, everyone. I said his name correctly. Hey, thanks a lot. I Two appreciate that. That's, that's twice, time. In, twice in one night. <laughs> so this is a historic moment because it is the first time we've all recorded while being able to look at each other. Yeah, not on Skype. Not on Skype, not Across with the a country. camera. Like, actually in the same room together. And we look kind of weird. It's almost like Monday night football in here. You know, Howard Cosell and the microphones up at our mouths. Uh, yeah, we've had a great time. It's been a lot of fun this weekend. Uh, yes. George, um, we we talked about what are we going to talk about tonight. And one of the things we, we want to begin by saying is a very special thank you to our listeners. I mean, this is this, we're all here together during this weekend for them and it's been pretty amazing and we had so many people coming by the booth and saying hello and wishing us well and it was just a real treat to be able to meet everybody and and talk about the show and see what they like and ask them what they'd like to see and get some ideas for future episodes and it was just great to meet people yeah and we met a lot of people jeremy did you did you think we would see this many people this weekend that, that were coming to see us never in a million years did i ever think that we would actually have generated as much buzz, as much genuine conversation at the booth. Folks folks would come by, and we got everything from the quick tap on the shoulder, hey, I really love what you're doing, keep it up, to the, I was out of ham radio for 20 years, and I came across your podcast, and I decided to go pull my radio out of the closet, or, hey, me and, and you know me and my, my 11-year-old decided to get our license together because of your podcast. Yeah, it was it was amazing, and it was far beyond our, you know I, far beyond expectations. I thought we would be, hey, we have a podcast. Would you take our flyer and maybe give us a listen? And that was not it at all. We had people, and, and this this isn't said you know with bravado or bragging. This is just reality. We had folks standing there waiting to speak to us uh, that that made a point to come by our booth, and you know that just that was very humbling to me personally. And I am so grateful that folks sent me here and I, and I'm only here because of our listeners, period, period. And they were very generous period. to really help us along. That, w- that really made a big difference. Yeah. And it was fun too, to see some of our other really good friends like John Pug- Pugliano yeah. join yeah. us and, uh, and meet listeners. Yeah. That was really fun. And you talked to Sarah. Yeah. Sarah Tibbetts came by a couple of times and she was out wearing her pink Hand Radio 360 podcast hat. And I mean, everybody could see her from all over the place. You know, she was handing out her flyers and uh, she, she, I think she had a really good time. I mean, she, she got to meet people and make the connection just like we did. And that's really awesome. That's, it's, it's one thing for us to get together on Skype and talk and have a good time, but to get there, to, to stand there for eight, 10, 12 hours at a time and shake people's hand and, and listen to them tell you what, they're getting from your production that's like gold to me personally and there's a lot of encouragement about uh do a topic on this or do a show on antennas that. please do and antennas do, <laughs> antennas sdr was very popular portable operating was really popular uh gear review topics new radios lots of new radios coming out tell us more about those yeah. 
that was that was really good too. You know, we also had a lot of people stop by who said, "Hey, this is my my first trip to Dayton, and I just got my license." Or, "Hey, I'm upgrading, and I'm going to go buy a new radio. I've got money burning hole in my pocket, and what am I going to go buy?" And I really enjoy getting to sit down and be like, "Okay, do you plan on doing this? How are you operating? What kind of intent do you have?" And really walking through. Uh, a lot of those decisions that that was a lot of fun. I mean, just in general, every single listener we had, everybody was great. I think the worst, like the worst comment we got was, "Dude, in uh, your leading up to Hamvention episode, level your audio. Good yeah. show." <laughs> <laughs> so, in 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 all of that, just to re- reiterate, thank you, listeners, very much. We we genuinely appreciate you. You made this happen, and uh, we hope that you've enjoyed these update shows. I mean. We we ran the second day of Hamvention. Jeremy and I did on one hour and five minutes of sleep. And well, you, you, I had one hour. I, you had, had one, one hour five. and five minutes. I had an extra five minutes. And George, we woke George up early too. So Kale calls me at six in the morning. What y'all doing? <laughs> I was sleeping, dude. Why are you calling me? <laughs> We're Which, all in all, in all fairness to George, that's three o'clock in the morning yeah, for him. Yeah. That's right. But he gets to sleep all the way home tomorrow. That's true. So um, we we've got another show. We're gonna we're gonna smash together for you and. Uh, Today was a great day at Dayton uh, for me. It was uh, real heavy in the morning, and I got to see Dayton on the inside, how people say Dayton really is. And it is bumper to bumper in the, in the scooters, and you've got folks elbow to elbow, you know, nose to tail virtually. And it was insane the amount of traffic in the, in the building we were in. And uh, I just couldn't get over it. It, there, there were so many people, so many hams, and, and people that never even heard of us. And you, you, you take their ear for about three minutes, and they're like, "Well, that sounds like something I'd be interested in," mm-hmm. you know. So that was really cool too. And it's not just the teenagers; it's not just the twenty-year-olds; it's not guys my age. There's people George's age, <laughs> hey, and older that are, oh, really? You're doing that? I'm interested in that, you know. And that was really awesome. So again, I'm here to have met the listeners, and I feel like. Who was it, MacArthur? You know, I'll be back. You know, I will return, and uh, that's my plan to be here next well, year. Doing. I all thought again. that was Arnold Schwarzenegger. No, he said I'll be back, but I think it was was it MacArthur that said I will return. I shall return. I shall return. Yeah, we don't say shall anymore. It's King James sixteen eleven. But anyway, let's uh, let's talk about some of our favorite times in the weekend. Uh, because we want to get into the program, because we've got some more great interview stuff from the vendors, manufacturers, and people there. George, do you want to kick us off with sure. the, your favorite? Oh man, it's so hard. It's so hard to pick. I think everybody I talked to that was interviewed for the podcast, everybody had an interesting story. Um, the two that really, I'm going to go with two that really popped in my mind. One was being able to sit down with Eric and talk about the KX2, and I was at FDIM, and the room was full of people. And uh, Eric's presentation was really interesting, and everybody was so excited about the new radio. So that was just exciting, just to, you know, a new radio coming out to an audience who really loves that stuff. And so that was great. Uh, the other one that I think was really sort of special for me was talking to Ulrich from Begali Keys. And, and the reason is when you talk to Ulrich and you ask him about why are these keys important and how are they made and what's the skill behind them, and it, there's, there's so much depth to something that you think is so simple, just a telegraph key, but there's so much to the artistry of the manufacturing of it and the love of doing it right. And I just love that. So I, that just was a great story. And I was so close to buying a key today, although I know only K&M. 
He was very close. I was very close, and it just, it, and I, it, you know, time got away from us, and that's okay. We'll get there. I'll be back next year. Yeah, next year. So, uh, Jeremy, tell us uh, one or two of your favorite things that have happened uh, this weekend regarding the show. Well, so my, uh, I, I think of the three of us. I spent the least amount of time in the booth. Probably, I was out, uh, you know, pounding the pavement. And, uh, you know, trying to get a lot of interviews in, especially today. Um, I think the first thing that was my favorite is the fact that I, I tried as much as possible to follow up with every, just about everybody we talked to last year. And it was really cool to be remembered. And, I mean, and these are some of these people I've seen, you know, a couple of years in a row, Dayton, but I've only seen them once. And to be greeted with that big smile and like, hey, I heard you change the name and congratulations. Um, that was pretty outstanding. Uh, the other thing that I really enjoyed was, so I, I kind of realized that when we're at Dayton, we're kind of like a little news crew, right? I mean, there there are stories that were uncovered by talking to vendors about uh, trends in the industry, specifically around uh, digital, uh, like Fusion versus D-Star versus uh, DMR. Like there are these little micro trends that we're, we're able to, you know, we've been there twice now, so we're starting to see these patterns and uh kind of realizing that that's the role that we have to bring that type of information to your listeners um, and really having the responsibility to get that right uh, was also really cool. What was not cool is that every floor in Dayton but one is concrete. So my dogs are tired. Yeah, and, and it, it doesn't take long. The concrete's no fun. And, and we weren't on the wooden floor. They gave that to Gordon. He had the wooden floor. Gordon and Flex got the wooden floor. So I'll, I'll ask one question. Okay. What what would you what would you improve or do differently for next year? Me personally, sure. Uh, I would try to be here on Thursday because I think that would by by me being here, helping with the setup, helping with the pre work, instead of just rushing in at ten o'clock on Friday morning and trying to find a booth and, and meeting my co host for the very first time, like that's like a baptism by fire. And that's how it was, ladies and gentlemen. I, I walk into the building, I locate the booth. And they're my co-host for the last two years that I've never met before. And and it was a really awesome experience. And we had listeners standing there wondering where I was at. So that was kind of cool, too, that they everybody kind of turns around at the same time like, there's the bearded guy from South Carolina. And I'll add, by the way, when you when you show up and we just sort of carried on, it's like, oh, hey, K- Kale's here. So, you know, Kale's here. So, we'll, like, carry on. Yeah. So it wasn't like, oh, my God, I've never – you know, it was yeah, like, it was yeah, just, we just a, rolled. Just another day. And we called up with bear hugs a few minutes later. Yeah, because yeah. we realized – Very manly oh, wait, bear yeah, hugs. Yeah, totally, totally manly, <laughs> yeah. friendly, platonic bear hugs. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, that, that would be one thing. Uh, the second thing is that with us having the presence we had, I would probably work up some sort of tabletop rig – to, to be able to we wanted to connect with our listeners while we were there and and we just it, we were so busy we didn't have time to get the gear out and set it up and get them to come over and because i really wanted to get some names and calls and whatever but we were so busy talking to people that just never happened so we apologize for that but at the same time i would rather have spent the five minutes 10 minutes 15 minutes talking to folks and getting to the guts of why, why they're even at dayton than to have stuff to play on the show. So, you know, just a few things, but that's not even a big deal. I, I, the, the experience for me is, has been very positive overall. I mean, extremely positive, unreasonably positive to me personally, uh, because it's been so far greater than anything I had anticipated. And, and I know that I'm like blowing it up and Kel's just excited because he's there. No guys, this is, this was the real deal. This was really cool. And, um, 
again, I'm just very thankful that I got to come. Thank you, listeners. And, and for all that we got to meet and the guys that were retweeting and, and the guys that were coming. There was somebody came by and took a picture of us in the booth today, tweeted it. I don't even know who they were. I didn't even see the guy take the picture. I, I And I think that's really humbling, right? Because we're yeah. the ones out there taking all these pictures and, and tweeting them and uh, or pound signing them for, yeah. for George. <laughs> for us old guys. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> um, but I mean, it, it's... It, you know, now we, I mean, people were taking pictures of us and saying, hey, it's its Ham Radio 360. Like, yeah. that's... It's that's, a thing. It's a thing. We're a thing. Yeah, yeah. And and to keep us all humble, uh, we are still who we are, and we're going to keep doing what we're going to keep doing. Um, before we get into the show, um, you guys picked up some gear, and we've talked about it. Um, what was the most exciting... Now, I'm not going to have an answer to this because I didn't get out, but George, what was the most exciting thing, whether you bought it or not, that you saw at the show product-wise? Oh, I think the KX2. He Be- bought it. Yeah, because it's just, you know, as Eric said in his keynote, it's honey, I shrank the KX3, and so it's an even smaller, really cool radio. So, you know, I, I, it's it's just a, a little dream for portable, for, you know, throw it in your backpack, hit the trail. It's awesome. So, overall, I think... Man, do I, have to, do I have to pick one product? Okay, George got two. You can have two. Well, um, I think one of the coolest things is that there were more SDR vendors this year. Um, my personal favorite, I picked one of these up, is if you guys remember, uh, Gerald was talking about the AirSpy. Well, AirSpy.us was there. I got to pick up one of the newly released minis. Um, and while we were sitting here doing post-production, I was waiting on on some files to transfer to Kale last night and hooked it all up and... You know, we're in Dayton, and I was receiving airplanes from Cleveland, um, you know, in here with uh, really a lot of RFI and whatnot. Um, I think the other thing that was really cool, and, and this is actually a reminder about the responsibility that we have to you guys as our listener, is I got to meet a, um, I guess an old, I mean, I've only been a ham for like six years, so an old-to-me friend, uh, Bruce Givens from Canada, who resurrected the DV RPTR V1 boards and was selling them a while ago. When we did our D-Star show, we talked about D-Star hotspots, and um, both George and I had kind of been out of playing with those for a little bit while, a while, and what I realized is the technology has moved on so much <laughs> in the last, like, two, three years, um, but getting to meet Bruce in person, who's somebody I, I'd been spoken with quite a bit online, and, like, actually getting to talk to him was incredible, and, and seeing the uh, MMDVM products was just unbelievably cool. Yeah, well, I saw a lot of our booth, and it was... It was a nice size. It expanded. It got larger. It did. Eminent domain. Yeah. We, we kind of occupied the space next to us. Dan Romantic came by, you know, Donald, Donald Gover. And, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, we, we, had, we had a place to rest, and I, that, who, that's kind of where I stayed. Who was supposed to be in there, do you know? No, it used to be uh, Inrad, but Inrad was acquired by Viberplex. Uh, so they're not in that space and they didn't rent that space. So it became the ham radio 360 lounge. Yeah. And it worked out great. It really did. So, uh, we've, we've probably gone too long because folks want to hear what we've recovered for them this weekend. So, uh, with that, we're going to just turn you over to the program like we did yesterday and, uh, hope you enjoy what these guys worked very hard to get for you because they walked around and got interviews all weekend and today I think they got some good ones too. So again, we appreciate your support and sticking with us. And we're going to have an upcoming show in about a week and a half. So George, Jeremy, it's been a lot of fun. Thank you so much, Kale. Thanks, Jeremy, buddy. Thank you, George. Thank you, Kale. Um, it was really awesome meeting in person. I'm actually quite sad that it's going to be a year before we get to do this again. It's the grin and the swagger, bro. It's the grin. <laughs> it's hashtag, <laughs> hashtag grin and swagger. All right, seventy three, y'all. God bless you. 
Hi, this is Mike, N8WFF, from Dishtronics, Tentech, Alpha, Mtron, and you're listening to Ham Radio 360. I'm here at the AirSpy booth uh, with Joe McElhaney. What was your call sign again? KR3P. KR3P. And you guys are the proprietors of AirSpy.us, correct? We're the USA distributor. Actually, we cover the entire Western Hemisphere. Wow, that's a lot bigger than I thought. So we just did an episode on software-defined radios, and our guest, uh, Gerald, made me aware of your product. And I rushed over here on Thursday before the show even started to buy my own AirSpy. So tell us what you brought to Dayton this year. Well, we have a few products we brought. We brought the original AirSpy, which is a software-defined radio that in itself covers 24 to 1800 megahertz, and we'll show you an instantaneous 10 megahertz bandwidth uh, chunk. Uh, there's a software called Spectrum Spy, which now will let you display virtually the entire coverage of the unit on one screenshot. Wow, and is that different than SDR Sharp? That is, it comes with SDR Sharp. It's written by the same guy. Um, the, uh, the package comes with SDR Sharp, ADSB Spy, which is an ADSB program, and Spectrum Spy, which is a Spectrum display program. So, for our listeners who aren't familiar with ADSB, what what is ADSB, and why why would somebody care? From a ham perspective, ADSB can be considered the APRS of the sky. It's used to track aircraft across the United States and across the globe. It's very popular in, in Europe, and it's becoming more popular in the USA as more aircraft are equipped with that service. All right, and in addition to the AirSpy, what else did you guys bring? Well, we have a, a brand new product called the AirSpy Mini. It is a plug-in dongle based on the AirSpy. It has the same specs. Uh, it only covers a 6 megahertz instantaneous bandwidth rather than 10, but it's... Uh, Considerably smaller, although the AirSpy in itself is not a huge unit. In fact, we have a number of people that uh, they are interested in the AirSpy. I show it to them, and they say, oh, I didn't realize it was this small. Because a lot of the other software-defined radios are fairly sizable units. Ours is approximately two inches by an inch and a half by a little over an inch uh, thick. And so I bought a Mini from you on Thursday, and for those of you who are familiar with the RTL-SDR style dongles, it's actually a tiny bit smaller than the RTL-SDR.com dongle that I bought. Yes, it is. Uh, It's about, I would say, maybe half of the square millimeter size. Okay, and as I understand it, you guys also have a transverter? We have the spyverter, which is, in the simplest terms, an upconverter for HF. Uh, It expands the 24 megahertz lower limit of the AirSpy down to almost zero megahertz. Okay, so that basically lets it have HF coverage. Exactly. HF and even even below broadcast. And that, combined with the AirSpy, would give you coverage of just about any radio signal you would want to receive, with the exception of anything that would be over 1,800 megahertz, such as if you were doing something with with Wi-Fi. Okay, and one of the other exciting things, you guys have a prototype of a new product here. Okay, it's not really a new product, but... uh, I'm I'm sorry, I didn't realize it wasn't a new product. It's not a new product, it's new for us. We we have just completed negotiations with the manufacturer to sell that on our website. And uh, what's great about that is it not only gives the AirSpy... The AirSpy in itself has an accuracy that is it's very stable, uh, unlike some of the uh, dongles that tend to drift around a little bit. But even with the uh, excellent specs of the AirSpy, 
the GPS disciplined oscillator combined with that takes the uh, frequency error in the neighborhood of how many parts per trillion, which if you're below one gigahertz, you're pretty much going to be exactly on frequency. That's incredible. And so, yes, I didn't mention, but GPSDO is a GPS discipline oscillator. So basically there's a GPS receiver that feeds its signal into this box. Is that how that works? That's exactly it. Uh, and what's great about our unit that we're going to be selling is that it has two outputs. So you can do a few things with that. First of all, you can run two air spies if you're doing uh, SDR-based uh, Doppler um, direction finding. Or you can set one output to run the air spy, and a second output you can set to 120 megahertz, which is the local oscillator frequency of the spyverter. Unfortunately, there's not a stock input on the spyverter to accept that 120 megahertz, but it's an easy mod to replace the oscillator signal built in with the GPSDO. And again, that gives you that same accuracy on HF. And when you're talking about HF, you're, you're going to be uh, within uh, millihertz of the frequency that you want to be. All right. And so what does the output of the GPSDO look like? The output is a square wave. It's uh, zero to three volts. Um, and it, sound, it sounds like it's configurable because I'm assuming the, the AirSpy uses a traditional 10 megahertz signal? Yes, it does. The second output is configurable not to any frequency, but to several frequencies, including the 120 megahertz local oscillator frequency of the Spyverter. All right, and for those who couldn't make it to Dayton and take advantage of the fact that you actually have minis in stock, which is not something that the rest of the internet seems to be able to say, if our uh, listeners wanted to pick up your products, where would they go? Our website is airspy.us, and uh, we currently have uh, the minis in stock. I can't guarantee that after the show we will. We do ha have more on order. We are expecting those within a couple of weeks. Uh, it's hard to keep uh, new products like that in stock because of the demand. Uh, right now, we do have a sufficient stock of the AirSpy and Spyverter and just about anything else that's on our website, unless specifically uh, stated that it's a pre-order item or an item that, uh, uh, that we may have low stock on. But we, we try to keep the website updated with uh, information that this item is you know, not currently in stock or, uh, or is. All right, and then finally, I ask all of our guests, or most of our guests when I remember, have you had a chance to get outside the booth yet and check anything out? Unfortunately, that's the one problem with selling inside or even in the flea market. You are at the show on business. You don't have a chance to enjoy the show, which I do miss somewhat. Uh, it would be great to, to get around and see what kind of deals there are to be had because I know there's a lot of them out in the flea market and inside, but... Uh, what can I say? It's a sacrifice you have to make to sell. All right, Joe, thank you so much for your time, and uh, I can't wait to get home and play with my air spy more. Oh, you're welcome. Uh, I hope you enjoy it very much, and if you have any questions, just give us an email. I'd be glad to help you out with anything I can. All right, outstanding. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, I haven't uh, been on much, but it is K4CDN, and I am Hamvention. I'm here in Hamvention, and I am with one of our former show guests, one of our good friends of the show, as we follow him around the parks of the uh, nation's capital. It's KB1HQS, the number one park activator. I had to say that. Let me say it again. The number one park activator in the National Parks on the Air non-contest is Stuart. Stuart, how you doing, man? I'm doing excellent. I have no complaints. I'm at Dayton, and I'm having a blast. Been here two days at least. 
And uh, you, you haven't bought you a KX2? Well, I took a look at it. It's a, it's a pretty sweet radio, but I have not, now. I don't know if I can trade it in. I did throw my uh, KX3 away in the trash can in anticipation for the uh, new KX2, but I'm um, still looking. And I followed him up, so it's now, now I have his uh, former well-used. I'm, we're, we're just kidding, folks. We don't throw radios away. So uh, I, this is my first trip to Dayton. I, I'm sure you come quite often, mm-hmm. I'd guess. Um, how is this trip compared to some in your past? Actually, this is my first trip here, believe it or not. Really? Yep. Of course, I lived in Maine at the time, so you know, making the trip from Maine to, to Ohio is kind of a long trip. But considering I'm in the D.C. area now, it's pretty easy. And you're here with your OEM? Here with the old man, yep. How did that trip go? Did you learn anything across, uh, across from the, uh, the, uh, the other coast? Well, he's a uh, retired petroleum engineer, so I had an eight-hour lecture on geology of the glaciers uh, for Ohio, uh, West Virginia, and Virginia. So it was, kind of, uh, it was pretty educational. So it is Hamvention, and that's very important to the hobby. Uh, did you have any second thoughts about coming because you may miss this weekend worth of activating? I have to admit, I, uh, I had withdrawals on the way. I haven't operated a radio in probably four days. So last night while I was in the hotel, um, I decided to start my own program of hotels on the air. And I actually activated the first one. It was a Hampton Inn, and the designator code was uh, Hotel Indigo 01. And I had 10 contacts. Some people had no clue what I was talking about, but the rest did, and uh, it was good times. Now, will there be uh, QSL cards for that? Uh, there will. There will be QSL cards and uh, certificates, and uh, check out my website for details on it. Yeah, and you can find a link to his website on the hamradio360.com site, as well as the KB1HQS. Is it dot .com? Dot .com. KB1HQS. His name is Stuart. He is the number one activator right now. And people say, oh, how do you get so many parks? If they've missed a show that you were on with us, tell us how you're activating so many parks right now. Uh, well, it's two things. Number one, I live in the D.C. area, and there's probably 50 parks within an hour's drive, so it makes it really easy. But if you have a park that's near you, take the laptop that you're using or the desktop, step away from the desk or the couch, grab your radio, get in the car, and go activate a park. That's pretty much what it comes down to. You just have to go do it. Getting on the air. Get on the air. Also, Stuart, thank you for uh, stopping by. It's, it's been a blast to get to meet you guys. You can't see this because this is audio, but I have to like extend my arm to its fullest capacity to uh, get the microphone up to Stuart so that you can hear him speak. Stuart, thanks again for dropping by. Thanks, Gail. Appreciate it. All right, 73, y'all. We'll get uh, George and Jeremy back with you in a bit. This is K4CD and clear. I'm here at the Connect Systems booth with Jerry Wanger. Did I get that right? It's actually Wanger, but uh, anything as close is fine. All right, I can at least get KK6 LFS correct. And Connect Systems, of course, lit the, uh, the DMR market on fire several years ago by offering incredibly affordable, well-built uh, DMR radios for amateur use and also commercial use, correct? Uh, that's correct. It's, uh, commercial business is actually much larger than amateur business. So, but uh, we really liked the amateur market because it's more fun. Well, I, I know that every year, you guys have been out here for at least, what, the last three, four years? Uh, three years. I remember I was in the, uh, the D-Star presentation when you made another major announcement of the uh, Charlie Sierra 7000, which is uh, the radio that I'll call the Rosetta Stone of digital modes. And I know there's been a lot of rumor on the internet and lots of talk of the untimely demise and this project will never happen, but you literally just showed me an assembled or partially assembled, partially populated prototype. It's sitting right here. Yes. Uh, the reason why it took us so long to get to this point 
is the original approach we wanted to use wouldn't work right. We uh, went through the trouble of designing a different version of this thing, but uh, we couldn't do what we wanted until the technology caught up to what we were trying to do. The original approach was going to use some Chinese parts, but the problem was we couldn't get enough information to even use it. <laughs> uh, the, the manufacturer who's building our current products is telling us that the uh, parts themselves, the data sheets, are incorrect, and you'd have to work directly with the manufacturer. And unless you speak Chinese, it's kind of uh, difficult. That sounds like uh, a recipe to make it very easy to bring a new radio to the market. So we ended up using a part from CMX, CML rather. Uh, it's called the CMX seventy three forty one, which is built by uh, American and uh, uh, UK company. And uh, everything is in English. Uh, the people speak English, and uh, it's actually possible to do things. Now, with this chip, uh, they're building in capabilities of NXDN, DMR, DPMR, and analog. Uh, for the other formats, we'll have to uh, work around that chip because they're not going to provide any support for uh, the other formats at this time. And when you're talking about the other formats, are you talking about things like GMSK? Uh, no, G- yeah, exactly. GMSK, uh, D-Star, uh, as well as uh, Fusion and uh, APCO P25 will be done around that chip. Basically the same approach that you know people use with a PC and a sound card. So for our listeners who haven't been following along or may not be aware of the 7000, if you would kind of give the sales pitch of why this radio is really important. Well, the problem with... Uh, the amateur and commercial market is that if you want to do multi-formats, you have to use multiple amounts of radios. Uh, and depending upon uh, your budget, that could easily be a few thousand dollars uh, if you want to use all the different types of radios. So our approach was to come up with a single radio that does all the formats at a very low price. And it uh, looks like we'll achieve it. And we're hoping, not guaranteed, but we're hoping we'll be able to start selling it uh, at the end of this year. So one of the other things, if I remember correctly, and please correct me if I don't, but originally was there talk of some ability that the firmware source code would be available under an NDA, but you would be able to release it to the community so that folks could modify the radio or, or make additions? Yeah, all of the software uh, is going to be released uh, on, our, on the Internet. You don't have to sign any NDA. But we do have copyright protection, so yes, you can modify our radio, but it doesn't mean you can take our source code and build your own radio for, you know, for commercial purposes. We're not going to stop people from playing around with it for amateur use, but uh, no, we don't want any comp- direct competition uh, with what we're doing. So do you guys have any other new products at Dayton this year? Uh, yes, we uh, releasing this year, we're going to actually start shipping in September what's called a CS760, which is the successor to the 750. Uh, advantages of that radio, it has a four, uh, well, color display as well as uh, has GPS, uh, Bluetooth, and a vibrator built in. And that's uh, a mono band available in two meters and 440? Uh, yeah, correct. First, we're going to get the uh, 440, and later we'll do the uh, two meter. Do you have any uh, idea about what street price might be? Uh, yes, we already announced the prices. The uh, price for the basic radio without options is two ninety nine. If you get the GPS option, it's three fifty. And if you want GPS and uh, Bluetooth, it's three ninety nine. 
Now, does somebody have to buy the radio with all the options all at once, or can they be added over time? Uh, they cannot be easily added. Uh, it's almost impossible. In order to add it, you're going to have to basically uh, open the circuitry and solder some parts inside. We're not sure how many at this time. Well, it sounds like you're not opposed to the idea of people installing themselves, but maybe it's highly discouraged. Yeah, unless you uh, have a radio shop and you have the equipment uh, to build and test things, which is usually around $50,000 worth of equipment, uh, you're not going to do it yourself and get it to work. Now, I know it's often hard for vendors at Dayton to get away from their booths, but is there anything that at, at Dayton that you are interested in seeing yourself as a ham? I'm always interested in seeing what's being done in software-defined radios and what our competitors are doing. Outstanding. Well, Jerry, thank you so much for the time. Today is Saturday morning where things are just starting to get up. I hope you guys have a lot of traffic and a lot more success. If somebody wants to know about your products, where would they go online? Uh, they have two choices. Uh, you can join the CSI, or rather CS7000 Yahoo group, or you can call us and we'll uh, tell you over the phone what the status is. What's the number? It's uh, 818-889-0503. And what's your website? It's uh, connectsystems.com. All right, Jerry, thank you so much. Have a great Dayton. Uh, thanks for uh, having an interview. This is Steve, KB3SII of QRP Works, and you're listening to Ham Radio 360. I'm with Scott Robbins, Whiskey for Papa Alpha, owner of Viberplex. And Viberplex is a company that's been around for many, many years, with a long history. And it's really interesting to see that Viberplex is still around. And I know, Scott, you have been doing a lot of work to build the business and really be a significant player in the ham radio world. So tell us about Viberplex. Okay, Viberplex is the oldest continuously operating business in amateur radio. We even predate the need for a ham license. Uh, we have been in business continuously since 1905. Uh, we're the largest manufacturer of Morse code keys in the world at present. Um, I took over the Viberplex company in 2009. I previously was an employee for Ham Radio Outlet in 1994-95. I was the sales manager for Tentech uh, from 1995 to 2009. I went out on my own in 2009 when I purchased Viberplex. And uh, since that time, we've acquired some other lines besides the Viberplex line. We bought out our chief competitor, which was Venture Incorporated, uh, in early 2015. We're now also the owner of International Radio, which does crystal filtering. Uh, we also represent uh, Spiderbeam, U-Kits, and Easy Rotor Control uh, here in the United States as well. So you guys have a really broad product line, and, and that's all sold under the Viberplex name, and is the Vi is Viberplex the uh, website that one would go to? Yeah, the, Vi the website is www.viberplex.com. We have a couple of other web addresses as well, but all of them feed back to the main Viberplex address. Um, you know, code keys are the heart of essentially what we're doing. We are, um, we've got 37 different models of code key right now. We sell uh, our equipment factory direct off of our website. We also, of course, sell through all the major dealers, every uh, major dealer in the United States, AES, Ham Radio Outlet, DX Engineering, and all of the small companies carry us as well. Um, we have dealers on every continent. We've got a couple in Japan, multiple European countries, Australia, a couple of South American countries. Uh, we're worldwide. We're a little bit, we're worldwide. So a lot of guys that listen to our podcast are interested in learning CW, and they always want to know, well, what kind of key should I get? And when you look at keys, there's different kinds of keys. There's a big price range. Could you give us some advice on what you'd look for as a new ham getting into CW? Yeah, I mean, the thing you'd want to go with, I, I, 
operate under the, under the assumption that almost everyone these days has an HF transceiver that's got a built-in keyer. So all you need at that point is a paddle to plug into the radio and a cable to go between the, uh, the paddle and the radio itself. I always recommend that people start with an iambic paddle. Um, you've got an electronic keyer in the radio. You might as well take advantage of it. Um, you'll be able to send cleaner code, certainly with an electronic keyer, than you're going to be able to do with a straight keyer or a bug. And the people that you're working on the air are going to be appreciative of that as well. And what, what happens sometimes is um, not that there's anything wrong with using straight keys or bugs, but we find that people have them. Then they realize that their code speed is starting to increase. They want to be able to send cleaner code at a higher speed. And, you know, the ability to do so with a straight key gets outstripped pretty fast. They want to move it onto a paddle. And I say, well, you'll probably be happy with a paddle just right from the get-go. Plug it right into your radio. So tell us, what is the difference between a paddle and a bug? The difference is that um, the paddle essentially is a switch. I mean, you can think of the electronic key in your radio as a switch. You hit one side, you hear da-da-da-da-da. You hit the other side, you hear dit 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 And if you were to hold one side down of the iambic paddle plugged into your radio to infinity, it would continue to transmit as long as you wanted to. With the bug, it's actually a mechanical device. You've got a spring uh, that is used to send dits. So when you actuate it with your thumb, it goes dit, 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 dit. Eventually the spring stops springing and it goes dit, 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 dee. And you manually form the da's with the opposite knob. So you would have the spring action to go dit, 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 and then you would send da with your hand. So there's, it's mechanical action and you have some manual dexterity to use it. Well, with, the, with an iambic panel, you're relying essentially on the electronic here in the radio to make the dits and da's for you. That's why you can send clean code. It's, the da's are always correctly spaced. The dits are always spaced. There's no human intervention, let's put it that way, except for just actuating the paddle to send code with. So my very first key was a Vibroplex Electro Keyer, which was a, a single paddle that you would move left and right. It wasn't an iambic key, and I used that for some years. And do you still have parts, replacement components, contacts for those older keys? Oh yeah, very much so. Um, we're able to repair um, uh, anything from 1945 forward. Uh, we had a design change in the bugs uh, back in uh, 1945. So pre-1945 parts we don't have, but anything we built past that, the uh, single lever paddles, iambic paddles, bugs, anything that's on the key we've got as a repair part, um, we can either help you fix it or we can fix it for you. We've got uh, machine drawings of all the keys on the website, parts lists. I mean, it's really as easy as you can order parts by email. I mean, that's where we are in the 21st century. You know, you want parts, you can send me an email, we'll get them out to you. Visa, MasterCard, PayPal, you know, we do it all. So let me switch gears on you a bit. You mentioned that you also have some QRP radios, and a lot of our listeners are interested in portable operating, and in, uh, in CW certainly plays into that. So could you tell us a bit about the radios that you have? Yeah, um, we represent the UKITS line here in the United States. Uh, UKITS is a uh, company that manufactures products in China. They sell an antenna analyzer, um, QRP, SWR watt meter, QRP antenna tuner, and a transceiver called the HB1B, which is a 5-watt uh, CW transceiver that operates on the 40, 30, 20, and 15-meter bands. Um, $299, uh, very easy to operate, digital readout, all the things you'd expect a little HF transceiver to have. We sell uh, other stuff for portable operation as well. We sell fiberglass poles uh, from the German manufacturer Spider Beam, uh, portable antennas from them. They have a very lightweight multiband dipole antenna called the 404UL that weighs 14 ounces, That uh, 14 ounces including the coax, in fact. Very easy to put in a little plastic bag, you stick it in your pocket, take it with you, thin gauge wire. 
So it sounds like you have a really great selection of products. Is there anything else that's new coming down the pipe that you'd like to share with us? The only thing that we're doing new at the moment, actually, for Dayton this year, is we're representing a German company called Easy Rotor Control. And ERC uh, manufactures a hardware and software package that allows you to do point-and-click USB control of a typical antenna rotator. Uh, they've got about 90 different models of rotators they support. All the popular uh, Yesu, High Gain, Create, things that we all typically use for ham radio. Um, the circuit board, we have them as kits or assembled items. The circuit board installs inside the rotor control box. You plug it into your shack computer with a USB cable, and you've got a, a, a rotator screen on, the, on your PC that has a 360-degree you know, azimuth indicator, and when you want the beam to point a specific direction, you just move the mouse over, click on it, and the rotator starts turning. And very reasonably placed, we sell those between $89 and $119, and have had a lot of interest in that. Thanks very much, Scott. Really appreciate your time, and have a great Dayton. Thanks very much. I'm here at the Linux in the Ham Shack booth with Russ Woodman, K5TUX, host of the Linux in the Ham Shack podcast. So this is kind of meta, a podcast interviewing another podcast. If you want to call it that, I don't think it's a, a problem. We uh, have lots of interaction with other podcasts, so um, sure, why not? <laughs> Well, I first became aware of you guys because I had heard that you had given us a shout-out back when we were Fotime, and I've been a subscriber ever since. You guys do a really good job. Um, it's cool to see the Linux coming together with Amateur Radio, really advocating for open source. And honestly, one of the things I enjoy is you cover a wide range of open source topics and Linux topics, and it really keeps me interested and engaged. Well, thank you for, the, for that to start with, and the way I found out about you guys is apparently we shouted you out, and then you guys shouted us out, and I saw the tweet, and I was like, oh, well, this sounds interesting, so we just decided to check it out. But yes, we try and cover as many things as we possibly can in the open source world and in the amateur radio world to try and uh, make it as broad uh, a topic base as we possibly can while maintaining a focus on open source philosophy, um, particularly in the area of amateur radio. But there are so many other topics out there, ham radio-based, scientific-based, things like that. And we also try and cater to both um, the novice user and the advanced user because there's something out there for everybody, and we try and make it as much about everybody as you possibly can. So one of my favorite things about your show that really shows your commitment to open source is that every episode you play Creative Commons music. That's one thing we started doing from the very beginning. Creative Commons music is a great way to let people know about open openness and, and the way openness can be across multiple platforms, not just software, because there's open hardware as well. Uh, Creative Commons is uh, open literature, open music, stuff like that. So, I mean, the philosophy covers all aspects of media and life. Outstanding. So, you guys are at Dayton. Is how how often have you been here? We started coming here in 2010. We have been here every year except for last year. Um, we weren't we weren't able to make it last year. So this is our sixth year that we've been here. Um, we will continue to come here because one thing we've noticed is that while the hobby of amateur radio is an open hobby, you know you can find published schematics on how to build things and stuff like that, which is very much an open philosophy. At the time that the software was created for 
the ham radio hobby, it tended to be in the DOS and the Microsoft Windows days before Linux really took off. And so everyone started developing for Windows. So as time has gone on, you find that while the hobby is open, most of the software is not. And it's changing. It's a thing that's it's happening. It's, it's kind of a slow thing. And we're just trying to augment that change. Well, and to your point, I own more or less one Windows PC because most of my amateur radio software that I use is Windows. Yes, one thing we've been trying to do is get people to understand that they don't have to use Ham Radio Deluxe to actually do their Ham Radio digital modes and stuff like that. And we've we've there have been many people who come here today and we're like, well, we would like to try out your Linux software and and you know, get a feel for what it's like and then They'll say, well, I'm running Ham Radio Deluxe, and we'll have to say, oh, well, Ham Radio Deluxe doesn't run under Windows. And then there's, there's, a, there's a slight sense of um, negativity, maybe, <laughs> about that. Um, it used to be that the early versions of Ham Radio Deluxe actually ran under Windows under Wine, or under Linux under Wine, uh, but that's no longer the case. So getting people to change their mindset about that is, is hard to do, but we find that people are more open to it now than ever before and it seems like every year we come here they're even more open to it and more willing to try at least and with the idea of live distros so that people can you know try it on their systems without having to override anything uh, makes it a wonderful way to to try and get into the hobby and since it's inexpensive i.e. free you know uh, they could try it no cost to them no risk whatsoever and it's a wonderful way to get them to at least see if it's something they'd be willing to, to progress with. And uh, I, think, I think for the most part, um, once they get a taste of it, um, they enjoy it more than they think they would. All right, so let's try a little bit of a flash quiz. Because to your point about folks who are coming from Windows, they know that's where the software is. So I'll kind of take Ham Radio Deluxe out of the mix because they try to be all things to all people all the time. But let's cover some common use cases. Let's start with logging. What logging? What's the best logging program or your favorite logging application on Linux? Okay, well, we try to avoid using the term best when it comes to an application because there's a wide variety of stuff out there. So what we like to comment on are the most popular ones. And I would say for a logging application, CQR log is probably far and away the most popular logging application. That's not a contest logger. Uh, but for your general logging application, CQR log is probably the most popular. Um, it integrates with the ham library, so it, it gets your radio information directly into the logging application. It interfaces with Logbook of the World and EQSL and all that kind of stuff. Um, so it's probably the most popular. Will I say it's the best? No, I can't say that because I'm not willing to say that. But yes, we'll call it the most popular. All right, you mentioned Hamlib, and that's how we get rig control in Linux, correct? That is how we get rig control. It's basically a database of interfaces between a computer and a ham radio. Uh, it's a list of uh, methods for interacting because most radios interface with a serial port, which is basically just a straight ASCII text um, sending commands back and forth between the radio. And so it's actually very easy to control a radio and all you have to do is have a library that says what commands need to be sent from the computer to the radio to actually do things like change the frequency, set the upper and lower sideband, and all that kind of thing. So the ham library is a database of all uh, many radios, not every radio out there, but certainly a great many of them, 
um, that allow you to control your rig with your computer. All right, what about, that's controlling radios, what about programming radios? Well, programming radios, as far as like memories and things like that, um, the application that we hear most about is Chirp. Um, and that's generally speaking for like mobiles and handy talkies and stuff like that. Um, as far as programming like an HF rig, I'm not aware of anything that will do that. I'm not sure if Chirp will or not. But it, when it comes to things like your Baofeng radios and uh, all your Chinese radios that are a nightmare to program uh, through the you know, through the touchpad or something like that. Uh, the Python-based Chirp is the one that everyone uses. All right, and then finally, what about APRS? APRS, well, the most popular, again, that, that we're aware of is Zaster, uh, which is X-A-S-T-I-R. That's the one that most people use for APRS. It, it does pretty much everything APRS. It'll send messages, it'll do location and everything like that. The biggest problem I hear about Zaster is getting map data. Um, it uses OpenStreetMap, so it's all open source, but integrating op the OpenStreetMap map data with Zaster is, generally speaking, a big problem for most people. And since I'm not an APRS user, I have not been able to answer those people's questions. But maybe someday I'll figure it out. Well, I'm disappointed you missed the pun opportunity with it's a disaster. Okay, well, it kind of is, yes, and I'm sorry I missed that. <laughs> All right. Well, Russ, I really appreciate your time. We are planning episodes, crossover episodes. We're going to have you on Ham Radio 360 to kind of do a general overview and introduction to Linux for our listeners. And then George and I will be doing episodes with you to deep dive sometime in the future to be scheduled. Um, thank you so much for your time. Anything you want to leave our listeners with? Uh, no, thank you for the opportunity to talk to you guys. And I am looking forward to the crossover episodes and I'm looking forward to letting the Ham Radio 360 listener base know about open source. And I know uh, Kale keeps bringing it up that he's going to get into Linux and all that kind of thing. And we hope, if nothing else, that our interaction with you guys will, will get him on that road, get, get you all started. <laughs> so there's several of us in the, in the family of Ham Radio 360 that look forward to this because literally he calls a friend of ours, Gerald, from the side of the road, help me with my Raspberry Pi. <laughs> I actually didn't hear it. Oh. Well, thank you very much, and 73. All right, well, thank you, 73. I'm standing here at the NSI Communications booth, a new vendor at Dayton with a table full of software defined radio products. I'm standing here with Vasily Vasiliev, uh, Radio November 6 Lima Hotel Foxtrot. Vasily, how are you doing? Uh, thanks, uh, how are you? I'm doing great. Welcome to Hamvention. Thank you. Tell us, what is your role with NSI Communications? Uh, NSI Communications, uh, it's our partner in the United States. Uh, NSI Communications represent our devices, our products in the U.S., uh, provide supporting service and... Uh, um, <laughs> so I, I just noticed your box. So the radios are actually expert electronics? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm from Expert Electronics company from Russia, uh, based in Russia. Um, our main uh, manufacturer uh, in the Taiwan uh, because uh, good logistic and uh, it's easy to send our the world our devices. And uh, uh, we present our our transceivers uh, first time this uh, in Dayton Hamvention uh, 2016. Uh, we like it uh, because many 
interesting peoples. Uh, they uh, many people know uh, knows uh, what is it uh, SDR radio because uh, SDR radio was born uh, firstly in US and uh, many people know knows what what is it and uh, they are interested in a new SDR uh, transceivers. Uh, many hams uh, visited uh, our stand and uh, asked many questions about what is it uh, our new uh, baby MB1 transceiver. It's a uh, software-defined radio with direct, direct sampling and a powerful computer inside there. Uh, All-in-one box. Uh, we said Uh, this is uh, all check in uh, one box because uh, you know need to use uh, additional PC. You can connect keyboard, uh, mouse, uh, to external display, to device, to transceiver, and use it like usual PC uh, with your lovely software loggers, uh, digital log software, CW skimmers. You can uh, uh, make inter. Internet surface, uh, check your mail, and uh, in end of uh, call your friends from Skype. <laughs> All right. So I noticed that you have, as you're mentioning, what looks like a traditional standalone radio. I see you also have computer connected interfaces. So for the standalone radio, let's talk about specs. What bands does it cover for both receiving and transmitting? Uh, okay. Uh, our standalone radio is uh, also. Um, other our radios has uh, receiving range from 10 kilohertz up to 160 megahertz. Uh, our transceivers has it, and uh, trans in transmitting mode, uh, all HF bands, six meters and two meters band also, uh, 100 watts HF bands, uh, 50 watts VHF two meters band also is available, and uh, this standalone radio has uh, internal antenna tuner. Uh, unit uh, impedance of your antenna can be adjusted to output uh, impedance of power amplifier. Uh, there is all. <laughs> so, how much bandwidth is available on the display at any one time? Um, device has uh, transceiver MB1, MB1 has uh, two independent software receivers with maximum bandwidth uh, 312 kilohertz. Uh, per each uh, independent receiver, and uh, at the same time can be used um, uh, wide band spectrum scope, uh, uh, band scope. We sounds like band scope, uh, and uh, you can see, you can watch all stations in range 80 megahertz for first Nyquist zone uh, transceiver from zero up to 80 megahertz, and in second Nyquist zone from 80 megahertz. Uh, up to 160 megahertz. You can see it, you can uh, watch it, you can make click uh, per uh, uh, any stations, and your main receiver goes to the frequency uh, to this uh, station. All right, and what is the bit depth of the architecture? Is it an 8-bit, a 12-bit, 14-bit? 16-bit receiver, uh, ADC, and 14-bit uh, uh, transmitter. But transmitter uh, receiver uh, ADC for receiving mode has 160 megahertz uh, sample rate, 16-bit, and the transmitter has uh, 640 uh, sample rate and 14 bits. It's enough for transmitting mode uh, because uh, main dynamic range uh, about uh, 4TX signals 
70, 80 dB, no more. But uh, 14 uh, bits uh, DAC provide us uh, more dynamic range, and it's enough for most operations. Now, does your radio have any digital uh, mode decoding like PSK31 or CW ready? Uh, not yet, but it, it's uh, SDR radio in our plans to add digital modes. Uh, for, firstly, we'll be added um, uh, PSK RTTY modes because it's uh, popular uh, modes for most uh, operators. And then uh, we, we will try to add uh, other digital modes also in our plans to add uh, decoding CW signals and shows, uh, shows um, calls on the spectrum scope. At the present time, expert SDR software, which used for MB1 transceiver for other our device, for example, Sun SDR2 Pro. Um, uh, the spots from the internet can be shown on the spectrum scope. And uh, you can see, you can watch it uh, on your screen, on your spectrum scope. You can make one click, and you you hear you hear it. That's that's you know for for hams that would want to use this for working DX. That's pretty innovative. Yeah, sure. So talk to me about the uh, the Calibri DDC and the Sun SDR2 Pro. Uh, Sun SDR2 Pro. It's also transceiver. Uh, the same ar architecture as MB1. Uh, I'm uh, talking more. Uh, a receiver the same as MB1. 16 bits ADC, 160 MHz sample rate. All main uh, parameters the same, like in MB1. Transmitters all, transmitter also uh, has the same characteristics, but output power uh, 20 watts. Uh, HF bands and uh, 7, 8 watts VHF band. It's small baby, small form factor, you see. <laughs> uh, maybe 10 times uh, 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 <laughs> lower. Maybe, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's quite small. Yeah, quite, quite <laughs> small. Yeah, <laughs> In ta 10 times maybe more, maybe 15 times like uh, MB1 transceiver. And uh, also the same... Uh, Receiving range from 10 kilohertz up to 160 megahertz. Uh, it's used with additional PC, uh, has LAN connection for control, for IQ channel exchange between PC and transceiver for RX and TX mode. Um, used uh, the same expert SDR2 software, but for MB1 transceiver, it's um, yeah. It's changed for small display. Uh, uh, graphic user interface was uh, updated for small 7-inch display. In the uh, Expert SDR2 for Sun SDR2 uh, Pro transceiver, it uh, has usual interface for big display monitors. And it can be used, can be operated by mouse, like most uh, hams uh, do it. Uh, also can be used with this transceiver encoder panel for control. It has a main knob, three small knobs for volume, uh, RF gain, AF gain operations, or other. Uh, about Calibri, a few words. Uh, Calibri DDC is uh, also direct sampling receiver, only uh, in receiving mode. It uh, has um, ADC uh, with 14 bits, uh, resolution and uh, 
125 MHz sample rate. It's lower than in the uh, Sun SDR2 Pro and MP1, uh, but it's uh, enough for all uh, HF operations and can be used in uh, uh, VHF operations too. It works uh, up to 880 MHz with undersampling in, in uh, highest Nyquist zones. Uh, also, two independent uh, receivers, software uh, receivers, can be used in one Nyquist zone and they can receive uh, other frequencies. The same uh, 312 kHz uh, spectrum scope wide uh, width, uh, bandwidth and also can be used uh, band scope with maximum uh, wide uh, 62 MHz. You can also watch all frequencies. You can see stations, make one click and your main receivers go to the frequency and you can listen it. So, roughly, what are the prices for these three radios? Uh, for today, please wait. Uh, the normal price uh, for Calibri DDC <coughs> uh, receiver is $600. Uh, for Sun SDR2 Pro transceiver, it's uh, uh, $2,100. And uh, for MB1 transceiver, it's $5,900. Uh, but we have a special convention uh, price for Calibri. It's uh, $400, uh, Sun SDR2 Pro, uh, one, uh, $1619, and uh, MB1, $5,000. All right, so folks, you heard that's a lot of good savings if you hurry in order. We will be posting this tonight, so they'll have one more day that they can contact you. Um, your products look amazing. If I want to know more online, where would our listeners go? Thank you very much. We will be happy if our uh, devices, if our products, uh, if uh, some hams will be happy to use it because it's, it's, it's good devices. And All right, and we're being joined by Yuri Sushkin, uh, N3QQ. Uh, good afternoon, gentlemen. It's Yuri with NSI Communications. If you want to learn more about the products, we will support them in the United States and website nsiradio.com. Thank you very much, and looking forward for your orders. I appreciate your help. Thank you guys very much uh, for ta taking the time. I mean, it's incredible to see the competition starting. You guys have some very nice-looking radios. I just noticed that the MV1 is also a touchscreen. And just one more thing to make sure I'm clear on. So your host software, you've written yourself as well. You're not using somebody else's. Yeah, we, uh, we, uh, we use our own software. Uh, it's developed within about six years. And now it's, it has uh, good parameters and good functions. Thank, thank you guys very much. And some reviews, check reviews on ehem.net. They're five out of five. Outstanding product. It looks it. Thank you guys so much for coming to Dayton. And uh, I can't wait to see what you guys have next year. Thank you, Jeremy. I appreciate your hospitality. This is Scott Robbins, W4PA from Vibroplex, and you're listening to Ham Radio 360. I happened to run into somebody I never expected to run into, an old friend online from the DV repeater days, Bruce Gibbons, VE2GZI, all the way from Canada, here at Hamvention. Hey, how's it going? Uh, as I said, Bruce Gibbons from VE2GZI from DVR PTR repeater days. So. so you resurrected the open source German originally designed DV repeater boards and are responsible for a lot of D-Star hotspots. Uh, yes, I lay that claim to infamy, yes. 
In fact, uh, Bruce and I got to know each other because I kept bugging him, when are you going to have an Ambi board available? I think I got the second one you made. You actually did get the second one that was made. Actually, it was the second one. Great. So I'm going to confess on the air, because when you sent me the whole package, you're like, I need the blank end cap back so I can make more that are stamped out. And I never sent it to you. <laughs> I am so... I can drive home and get it right now. If, I know where it is. It's fine. It's like, we actually got a local manufacturing guy to do the work, and he knew what he was doing, so we were cool. So what's interesting, though, it's probably been about two or three years. I was still living in Virginia last time we spoke. We kind of lost touch. And... About that time, I kind of stopped playing with D-Star Hotspots, and I come to Hamvention, and yesterday we spoke with Goose about the DV Mega and his other products, and come to find out, I've missed an entire generations of technology, and now we're not talking DV Repeater, we're talking MMDVM. What is MMDVM? Multi-mode digital voice modium, uh, designed by, software is originally designed by Jonathan Naylor. Uh, we got together with Jonathan, myself, and Jim McLaughlin. Jim built the interface board. I'm doing the logistics and coordinating, uh, basically, shipping and delivering of the product. It's taken off. MMDVM will support Fusion, uh, DMR, and it will support DSTAR. So what is the thing, actually? What do, I, what do I do with it as a ham? Okay. It's basically a module to build a repeater, a tri-mode repeater. So you can take a repeater and make it, as we say in Canada, trilingual. So it speaks D-Star, DMR, and Fusion. Can I still use it as a traditional hotspot connecting it to a radio as a simplex node? No, it can't be. It's purely a, it's purely a, uh, a repeater product. All right, so it's, it's, not, it's not a DV node adapter. It's not something I'm building a hotspot out of. So what are some of the devices that, that works? I mean, what kind of repeater gear do I plug it into? Okay. Well, you can build it up with standard analog radios. Uh, motor rollers do really well. But we've found lately a few of the guys, getting more and more, are starting to plug them into the uh, Yesu DR1Xs. They do a great job of making a tri-mode repeater. So when we're talking about this board, over on the, the desk for your booth, there's actually an Arduino Do, or Due, I don't know how to pronounce that, an Arduino Do, which is... Uh, kind of the Arduino on steroids that has an ARM processor and a like 80 uh, GPIO and then you guys have a little tiny whiteboard on top of it and then what, what are what are all the components besides those two boards and what are those two boards doing? The, the actual modem code is written by Jonathan Naylor actually resides on the due board in the firmware the interface board that Jim designed plugs into it the whiteboard as we call it the zoom board uh, you then plug that into your radios through the audio feeds. You plug into the host controller, which runs the MMDVM host code, either on a PC or on an ARM-based board, something like an Odroid or a Raspberry Pi. Okay, and to be clear, this, there's no ambi codec on this. This is purely a, effectively an RF networking tool. And unlike the older products like a DV repeater, Previously, you had a chip that was dedicated to doing GMSK decoding or, you know, whatever, C4FM. But this is completely software-defined. Purely data, purely software-defined. That's correct. No transcodings needed. No, no AMB chips are needed. So that is correct. Now, we mentioned that you have this currently hosted on the Do, but the Do has recently been discontinued. So I just found out about this, and now I'm going to have to go buy a rare Arduino to play with it. So tell me there's a future. There is a future. Um, the Jews are still plentiful out of China right now, the knockoffs. Uh, we are moving to a new board. Uh, you, as you saw on the stand, there is a uh, Raspberry Hi 
Raspberry Pi, excuse me, hat that is uh, in development right now. We have a prototype on the stand. So yes, it has a future. It will be based around the uh, STM32F. So it's going to be a neat board. And the best part is, is effectively you're taking one component out of the chain. Because if I get that board right on the Pi, that's a very small package to plug into repeaters. Now, you made a comment about Motorola's. Are we talking about MSF series, or can I plug this into a MyCore if you want to get that old? I haven't seen anybody plugging into MyCores, but I've seen a couple of guys that want to play with the uh, GR1225s. So you can play with those. I think some of the guys were playing with the, T, the Kenwood TK820s as well. Uh, I've seen guys playing with the Max Tracks, the single radios. So there's a lot of stuff out there. Again, best place for this is the Yahoo group, the uh, MMDVM Yahoo group. There's a lot of traffic on the group. There's some really good stuff going on up there. And it's pretty technical, so you've got to kind of watch it. But uh, it's a great place to go and hang out. Well, and the best part, the Jonathan's involved. That's, it's, I mean, I'm seeing the groups that used to have their own little independent projects kind of coming together to form, I'm going to say, battle camps to make it dramatic. Yeah, that makes sense. It's, it's, it's going to be entertaining. Um, I think we'll, we have uh, Brandmeister support, and uh, we were just speaking to somebody else. It looks like we'll have DMR Plus support very shortly as well. That's amazing. So do you guys have anything else here? Any other new products? Oh, I think that's enough for the moment. <laughs> I noticed you still have your hair, and it's not all gray. I'm sure we can come up with something else. <laughs> well, we have the, uh, the Rev 1.1, which is coming out shortly, where we're going to incorporate the clock. So instead of having two boards on your due, you'll have what single board. Improved filtering, thanks to our friend Carlos in Spain. Uh, it's going to be a nice product. We're about a month away from bringing that out. So we've still got the Rev 1.0s, uh, which we're doing a special on at $35 instead of 40 bucks. So, yeah, that's doing well. Uh, the 1.1's coming out. We have the, the Pi hat coming out as well, too. So, and there's some other things in the works with Jim as well, too. So uh, I think there's going to be some interesting things happening. And the best part about it is all open source. So the boards that are available now, where would I go online to buy those? You can go to one or two places. You can go to, uh, of course, www.mmdvm.com, or you can just send me an email at ve2gzi at gmail.com. Yeah, I don't even know my email address yet. So that's where you can go. Just drop me an email. Outstanding. So you've come all the way to Dayton. Have you been here before? I was here a couple of years ago, and it was considerably hotter than it is today. Yes, it, it has un, been unseasonably cool this year, and as a recent resident, I'm very thankful for this. There's been a nice breeze throughout, and uh, honestly, the sad thing is, I feel like it's not as crowded as it was the last couple of years, but that's okay. So, is there anything here that you're looking for to maybe take home? Uh, I haven't had time to get away from the booth to do some shopping yet, but yeah, there's a few maybe things I'll take a look at. I need to go take a look at the DV4 mobile and a few other things, so we'll take a look around. Oh, I didn't even realize that that was here. It's here. All right, outstanding. Well, Bruce, it's wonderful to finally meet you in person. Thanks for all the help all those years ago. I now need to put my DV repeater up for sale, or maybe I should keep it as a collectible with AmbiBoard serial number two. <laughs> it's a collector's item. It's a collector's item. Yeah. All right, thank you very much. Safe travels home. Thanks a lot, man. I appreciate it. I'm here at the Apache Labs booth in Audio Alley, and I'm standing here with Steve Molo, KI4KW, KI4KWR. I always want to say fours for ours. How are you guys doing at Dayton this year? We are doing great. Um, great attendance. Wish there was more, of course. But, uh, you know, we're here this year promoting the Apache Labs and in 110, well, let me say that again. 
100 and the 10 unit, 10 watt and 100 watt units, SDR. Of course, uh, trying to just get the analog user to come and check out the digital technology that's available and they're asking the questions and we're answering as best as we can. So we recently did an introduction to software-defined radios, and we remembered to mention the Anon radios, but realized that none of us were very familiar with them, so that's why I wanted to stop with you and talk to you about your products today. If you would, kind of give me an overview of the radios that you guys have. What kind of overview would you like? More, more from a, you know, because obviously all of these are computer-connected radios. You guys run your own software. Oh, we don't. No, the software is actually... Uh, Power SDR, okay. which is the was used with the Flex <laughs> Flex style radios. Um, it's open source, so it's not proprietary to. You've got to use what we tell you to use. If the software has the ability and capability, the radio will do it. We're not we're not restricted. So from a QRP perspective, there's the Onan 10, correct? Correct. And that comes in two models. Two models. You have the 10 and the 10E. The only difference between the 10 and the 10E is receivers. The 10 has four receivers. The 10E has two receivers. Do they have the same uh, bit depth on the ADC? They do have the same depth. There's just one ADC vice two. Okay. All right. And what kind of bandwidth are you getting in those receivers? Bandwidth 300 kilohertz. Still covers the same 160 to 6 meters for the you know, transmit. Your receive side, you have 150 kilohertz to 55 megahertz. All right, and because those are you know, what we would generally consider a QRP radio, what's the power requirements to, to power the thing? Power requirements, as we've been telling everybody, is it's rated for both units to have a 23-amp power supply. That sounds very big for a QRP rig. But once you start clicking more items on the computer that you're using, the more amps that their radio is going to, not the radio requiring, the software is requiring. So if you have, you're using multiple receivers, you start digging into the filtering, you start getting really deep into that, you know, transmitting that signal or receiving, the more amps is going to require for the transmitting, not for receiving. All right, and about what do those two radios go for? This weekend, the radios... Um, on average, the 10E is 915. The 9 or the 10 is 1549. Now, are those Dayton prices or regular? Dayton prices, and those prices will end on Monday. Okay, we're going to actually post this tonight, so hopefully our listeners, if they're interested, can jump on that. And it looks like you guys are partnering with Gigaparts here. Yes, we are the U.S. distributor for Apache Labs, so we are there. If you want to say U.S. partner on getting this radio into the United States. Outstanding. And if you don't get the Dayton Special? If you don't get the Dayton Special, I'm not sure what the price... It's going to go right back to the regular price, which would be... <laughs> the regular price for the 10-watt version would be... It's, you're saving right now this weekend $50, $50 in the 10-watt versions. On the 100-watt versions you're actually saving $400 on the 100D. The 200D, you're saving close to $850. And I'm assuming that's a 200-watt version. It is No, it is a 100-watt version. It just has more expanded capabilities on the board. All right, so tell us about the, tell us about the 100 and the 200 then, what, what about their features and specs. With the 100 and 200, cheat a little bit. <laughs> With the 100 and 200, they have the same features when it comes to the FPGA, which, as I've been calling it, the mother brain. The 200D has a much bigger FPGA. 
which is you know what's bringing in that signal and what you're seeing. When it becomes a difference, the only true difference is, and I'm thinking here, there's really no difference. It's just the board has that expansion for the future expansion that may come with software. How many receivers? Seven receivers. In each model? In each model. And bandwidth per receiver? 300 kilohertz still. All right. And what's the bit depth on those ADCs? Those bit depths are, it is a 16-bit for, if I'm, if I'm getting it right, 16-bit. The VNA, if anybody's interested about the VNA, is 15 kilohertz to the 55 megahertz on the VNA aspect. Oh, that's pretty cool. Now, do any of these radios have tuners in them? They do not have tuners. So that is one disadvantage, possibly. But any tuner will interface with it. So it's just you, you know, finding your preference for that tuner to use, manual or auto. All right. And if our listeners want to learn more about either the on and radios or gigaparts? For in, any other information, first check out gigaparts.com. And if you want to see what Apache Labs also offers, just www.apachelabs.com. All right. Thank you very much. Appreciate your time. Thank you. So since you're here, and I know you work for a distributor, is there anything here that you're dying to see at Dayton? What am I dying to see? As odd as it sounds, I'm actually looking for the DV4 Mini, the new, uh, looks like a little USB thumb drive that does DMR, P25, Fusion. Fusion and D-Star all-in-one. I never expected to see it happen. I think a lot of people were looking for it. And when it's in the size of a thumb drive and now it's going to be a mobile rig and a base station rig, it's on my radar for this year. If not, you know, when it comes available, it's going to be my next rig most likely. All right, outstanding. Thank you very much. Thank you. Hi, this is Shell, KF0UR from QRP Works, and you're listening to Ham Radio 360. I'm standing at the wireless holdings booth with Uli AG0X. You guys are the creators of the DV4 Mini? Yes, we are. And we are the manufacturers as well. It's made in the U.S. in Florida. Outstanding. And tell us, for our listeners who have no idea what the DV4 Mini is, what is the DV4 Mini? The DV4 Mini is a USB stick uh, that contains either a UHF or VHF radio uh, that acts as a uh, hotspot for all digital modes, so D-Star, uh, Fusion, DMR, DPMR, P25, and soon uh, NXDN as well. Wow, that's a lot of digital modes. So I'm assuming that you guys have a software-defined modem on there for the different modulation types? Uh, that is the case. Do you guys write your own software, or are you compatible with any of the open-source products? It's our own software. We have our own reflector system. We have uh, DCS for... Um, for D-Star, we have the DMR Plus. For DMR, we have the FCS uh, system for Fusion. And we have an own reflector system for P25 as well. And do, are your the DV4 Minis compatible with Raspberry Pi? Yes, uh, we have uh, images for Raspberry Pi. However, we also have our own Linux system that you can plug into the DV4 Home. And we also have now, uh, starting November... October, November, the DV4 Mobile, uh, a, a tri-band transceiver with all modes. So I was about to say, the DV4 Mini is almost old news because that radio has been generating quite the buzz. Tell us about it, please. Uh, it's a uh, mobile radio with uh, two 20-watt uh, transmitters in there, uh, three software-defined radios in there, and through MB chips. It supports uh, the three bands, two-meter 222, 440, 
and uh, it uh, has two MB chips, so you can not only uh, use it uh, for all the uh, bands separately, but you can also use it, let's say, as a simultaneously as a DMR simplex repeater and a D-Star simplex repeater. It also has an LTE chip in there, so you automatically uh, download the code blocks. Somebody changes the frequency on the repeater, it automatically updates itself, and you can also use LTE as a backhaul to your reflector. Oh, wow, that's incredible. And is there any USB connectivity to a computer that you could use it as a hotspot front end? Uh, there is an Ethernet on the radio, and there is a USB, both. So Ethernet is even better than relying on a computer. <laughs> well, yeah, it is. Uh, there is a Linux computer uh, and, and, uh, with 1.8 gigahertz uh, in there uh, that drives the uh, three SDRs. So now, will your software be open source at all, or will there be opportunities to modify or add features for the, from the community? It has a modified uh, Debian fork, and uh, we will uh, publish uh, the operating system. Uh, we will also uh, publish the APIs. Outstanding. And do you guys have a price and an, an approximate release date? Uh, the price will be uh, around $1,000 plus minus 100 and uh, we hope we can start shipping in October for sure for Christmas. Okay, and if folks wanted to know more about this radio, where would they go on the web? Wirelesshold.com. Outstanding. Is this your first time at Dayton? No, I have been here before, but not as a vendor. All right, so as a, an attendee, what is it you're interested in getting out of the booth to go see? Say again? So as an attendee, what is it you would be interested to leave the booth to go see yourself? I didn't make it off the booth yet. Uh, I'm looking for uh, getting some duplexes for our DMR repeater that we are just putting up right now. What, what band? Uh, that's uh, UHF. Outstanding. Well, Uli, thank you so much for your time. Enjoy Dayton. Okay, thank you. Ron Kohanowitz, KC0QVT from Bridgecom Systems, one of our sponsors, has stopped by the booth at Hamvention. It's what, 2 o'clock on Saturday, 2.30? About 2.30, yeah, 2.20, yep. Yeah, 2.20. So, <laughs> speaking of 2.20, I hear 2.20's dead. You can't buy duplexers. Nobody makes equipment. Oh, that's not true, not at all. Uh, we have a repeater. Handheld, mobile, we can get the duplexers. We can help you put a 220 repeater on the air or resurrect or remove the old one and put a new one in place of it. No problem. So earlier today I interviewed Bruce Givens, and I mentioned that to you and found out that you also knew Bruce, and there's some pretty exciting stuff with his product and your repeaters. Yeah, he does the, the D-Star, uh, I guess it's the modem, and we've actually interfaced that to our repeaters. We can turn our repeaters into D-Star repeaters. No problem. That is outstanding. So how, how has Dayton been to you guys this year? This is well, this is our third year here, and I would have to say this is the best uh, for us so far. We've uh, grown as a business. Our sales are increasing. We got into 220 as a result of Dayton two years ago, and we now have a handheld, a repeater, and a mobile, and the market just wanted it. We learned the market had a, there was demand, and we're satisfying that demand. So... We're selling more radios, we're selling more uh, repeaters, and guys are really enjoying it. It's a new, for a lot of people, it's a new area of the spectrum that they're, they've never enjoyed before. So we're here to support that, uh, that demand. And we've got excellent customer service, excellent support. I do the engineering work. My sales and marketing guy, Tim King, KE0GWR, he's there to help, and we're growing. 
Outstanding. Well, we certainly appreciate your sponsorship. It's been really good to meet you this year at Dayton, finally, for myself. Is there anything that you're trying to get out of the booth to go look at? Oh, I just want to go around and meet a lot of these guys that we've talked to on the phone, uh, other vendors. Uh, boy, I, I do need to walk the floor and just and see what's happening. But this is this is probably one of the best shows I've seen uh, as far as attendance. So, uh, but I can't get away from the booth until you know until just recently. So, it's been very busy, very good. All right, Ron. Thank you so much. Thank you. Standing here at iPortable, which is actually not that far from our booth. I can see our booth from here. I am with Mark Man. Ooh, Mantia. Mantia, I apologize. W8MDX. This year, you've taken what was a great design last year, moving from the heavy-duty construction of the original iPortable cases, transferring to the lightweight plastic roto-molded style cases, and I see now you have a second generation of that case. Right. Yeah, we, uh, we went to total ABS plastic cases now, and uh, we added uh, LED lighting. Uh, we've got uh, the bulkhead uh, SO239s coming out the front now, so if a guy wants to you know, mount his antenna or connect his antenna through the front panel, we've got that. Uh, we've got, uh, we beefed up our UBS, USB ports uh, for for the iPad, you know, so they'll charge the, the larger devices. Um, and then we've got a 6U case, which has two front firing speakers. Um, you can put more radios and stuff in it. And I see that you guys still have the power pole connection on the front, the fuses on the front, the headphone connector on the front, and some absolutely beautiful LED lights. Right. Yeah, we didn't change anything on the wiring of it. Uh, there's still, you know, circuit one, circuit two, which you hook up to your radios, and uh, there's a there's a cable that comes out the back for hooking up to batteries or, or another source of power. Talk about that LED light because it is surprisingly even lighting. Yeah, we we went with a uh, LED strip lighting, and we put a dimmer on it, uh, so when you're out in the field, you can you can really crank it down. Uh, or if you're, you know, needing some some work to look inside the case, it'll it'll light up the inside also, and it is adjustable, so you can, uh, you know, shine it, you know, down on your desk farther or, or up towards your radios. All right, and it looks like they come in two different depths: the shallow and I guess a regular depth. Yeah, we have two depths. We have uh, the one that's uh, it'll take a 10 inch, 12 inch radio. Uh, it's our shallow case. And then we have one that's a 16 and a half inch for some of the bigger radios. I see 7200, which is a little bit larger radio. It'll, it'll take those. I see uh, 718, I think, is another ICOM radio that uh, guys like to use. So it'll accommodate the, the little larger radios. All right, and I see also that the uh, the 4U it looks like it comes with one shelf, and the 6U comes with two. Yeah, that's true. The uh, the what we call the uh, 4S, 4US is the one shelf, and then the 6US uh, comes with two shelves for uh, you know just mounting. It, they're they're a little taller. How wide are those shelves? Uh, the shelves are 11 inches. So if you've got a sheet of paper, it's the it's the 11 inch uh, dimension is, is is our width. That makes measuring it really easy. Yeah, so you take a sheet of paper and you put it up next to your radio if it. If it's smaller than your sheet of paper, it'll fit. So I don't know if you remember, when we met at Dayton three years ago, 
I was trying to fit an IACOM IC7100 in it, and that's exactly what I did. I grabbed a sheet of paper and marked it off. Didn't quite fit, but yeah. still love that case. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, that was a, we figured that would be about the easiest way to for a guy to uh, you know see if his stuff would would fit in one of these. All right, and so if I wanted to know more about your product or I wanted to order one of these, see pictures of it, where would I go? Uh, we're at uh, iPortableUS.com, um, and we've got all the information on there. We're, we're a little back-ordered after this show, but uh, uh, we've got a little list going, so three to f- five weeks, we can probably have them back on the, on the show. All right, and what are the prices? Uh, we're running a show special on the... Uh, the four US, which is the four unit high, uh, they're two ninety nine. Uh, regular price is uh, uh, three twenty four, so twenty five bucks off uh, here at the show. And the uh, the six U <clears throat> six U's are three twenty nine, and they're regular three seventy four. All right. Well, Mark, thank you very much. Is there anything that you want to get out and see while you're at Dayton? to get out at the show. I'd love to see the show. I used to walk around and see the show, but uh, now working in the booth, I don't get around. And I do miss, you know, to me, Dayton is is going around and checking out all the new stuff, and I do miss that part of it. Well, that's the problem. You guys moved from the flea market inside, and you've been a hit ever since. Yeah, well, we, I'll tell you, this is we only do the one show. We're thinking about going to a few other shows, but uh, you've you got to come out here to Dayton. And you're relative, you're local, aren't you? Yeah, we're uh, we're just down the street here. Right. All right. Well, Mark, thanks so much for the time. Good luck. All right, man. Thank you. I'm in the Yesu booth with Chris Wilson, N0CSW from Yesu. Chris, what do you do with Yesu? I'm the national sales manager for Yesu North America, all of Canada and all of the United States. All right, and here at Dayton, I know you had two new products that a lot of folks are excited about. There's a new fusion repeater and a new HF mobile radio. Uh, yes, we have the DR2X repeater that's uh, being uh, not released but being announced. We do have the repeater coming. Um, of course, we have limited information on the repeater. We have a few details, so we kind of threw them out there to get some feedback. Um, not, to, not to tease anybody, but just to get some feedback. Uh, it's still in uh, development, so if there's some things that we need to change or things we need to do differently, we announced a few features. And uh, we invited people back to the ASU booth to get their, uh, their interpretation and their feelings on these features. So um, it was really successful. After the forum, I probably talked to about, uh, about 20 people. And, um, and, and most of them had uh, true heartfelt feelings towards the features that we're getting ready to introduce. So I think we're on the right track. Outstanding. And, of course, we've seen a lot of growth. You've released a lot of new uh, fusion radios available, this, the monoband 2-meter, uh, the dual-band 100. You guys have released a lot of products, and they're pretty affordable. And then you guys have had a wonderful campaign to get your repeaters out there. Um, yes, we have. And, um, you know, of course, the, uh, the approach was to uh, put the repeaters out there at an affordable price to all clubs, groups, and anybody with coordination. Uh, we have uh, the largest system fusion infrastructure in the United States. I mean, in the world right now, uh, the United States has the largest system fusion infrastructure. Um, globally, uh, we are the d- dominant digital mode. So there's uh, not really anything anytime soon that's going to catch up to this project. All right. And about the new HF radio, tell us about the FT891. Uh, the FT891 is a fantastic radio. Um, it, uh, it's, it's received quality reminds me of the FT991. So it's a 32-bit IF DSP radio. We're using the same TI IF processors that we've used in, in our previous generations and previous radios. Um, so it's a very high-end 32-bit floating-point DSP processor. 
Uh, very clean signals is a very, very high-end HF radio. It's a very good performer. It is HF and 6-meter only, um, so it's designed and geared towards the, the heavy, dedicated mobile HF user. It does have a detachable faceplate. It has an optional FC50 antenna tuner, and it has a very nice dot matrix back, backlit display. And one thing that I particularly like about it is it has backlit buttons. So if you're in the car at night and you're trying to reach down there and grab buttons, you can see clearly what's written on them, nice big text. One of the things that I think is really cool is your guys' backlight. It's, it's such a high contrast ratio of the very brilliant white, very black text on it. You guys have done a great job with your LCDs using this technique. A lot of folks, of course, want to try to liken this to the spiritual successor to the 857, even though it's lacking VHF and UHF. But one of the things that's really cool, this radio is actually smaller than the 857. Uh, it is a little bit smaller and a little bit lighter than the 857. Um, I, I don't see it at all as a replacement to the 857. The 857s are shipping right now. Uh, we're continuing to produce the 857, so there's been no, uh, no plans of uh, discontinuing the 857 at this moment. It's geared towards a different set of users. Uh, it's geared towards the operator that's, that's mainly focused on HF and HF mobile. And along that line, I noticed you guys also released an antenna tuner with it. That's correct, the FC50. And um, I don't have exact numbers on its matching ratios right now. But one thing that I can say from operating the FC50 is it can, it can just about tune down a fence. So I'm not sure what the conditions of that are um, until I actually uh, have a chance to sit down. I've only had the radio for about five days, um, plus Dayton travel So and being at Dayton. I haven't really had a chance to sit down with it more than just, just about 12 hours and play with it. Um, so I'm going to really get into it when I get back and, and really see what it can do. We're going to try to break it and um, see, see how well it performs. Do we have approximate pricing on the 891 and an approximate timeline for release? Unfortunately, not yet. Um, when we do a release announcement like this, typically it's within the next couple of months, um, especially if we have something at Dayton here. It's, you know, it's within you know, 60 to 90 days. Um, I think it's going to be this year. I can't say for certain, but it's looking very promising. The radio's working well. All right. Well, since you are at Dayton, did you get a chance to get out of the booth and look at anything you were interested in? Uh, unfortunately, I don't get to do much of that. I, I did I did browse the, the, the flea market and looking for my six-meter gear, but uh, I haven't found anything that wasn't rusted or a boat anchor yet. So, yeah. All right, I know, and I've seen you running around working with all the dealers. So thank you very much for spending time with us. And uh, if folks want to know more about this and upcoming products, where do they go online? You can go to yesu.com or for System Fusion, you can go to systemfusion.yesu.com. All right, thank you, Chris. Thank you very much. We have a special guest in the Ham Radio 360 booth, Steve Bible, actually our neighbor at Dayton from Tapper, the Tucson area, no, Tucson, Arizona Packet Radio Association. Well, let's, let's, um, so T-A-P-R stands for Tucson Amateur Packet Radio, which, you know, today is kind of what we were in the beginning when we started in the 80s, but we just call ourselves Tapper now. That's good, but I, I will warn you that on the podcast, we have butchered that acronym 500 times. Oh, and believe me, everybody else does too. And it's just like the ARRL, it's the American Radio Relay League, which of course is also antiquated, so the ARRL just says the ARRL. So we all have our origins in something, and then we have to kind of get modern with the times. It's funny because AARP is no longer the American Association of Retired Persons. It is now just AARP. Okay, there's another example. So we're not unique. 
So we had a great conversation last year. Um, having where our booth is right across from yours, which has been great because when people say where are you, I get to say right across from Tapper. Um, yesterday, I got to see some cool stuff, including the uh, under $40 uh, Raspberry Pi Whisper transmitter or transceiver. So that's awesome. You guys have a great display as always. I asked you this question last year about what's the future, what's on the horizon, because you guys are at the forefront of the things that are exciting in technological and amateur radio. So what's new this year? What's, what's coming up? Okay, so you mentioned uh, Zoltan Dolce's HA7 DCD what he calls the Whisper Pie. We're demonstrating it here. We're already sold out of them on our first day. Very inexpensive daughter card that plugs into the Raspberry Pi. And it's incredibly popular. So we're, we are an enabler. Okay, so we see these little projects and we get them manufactured, get them out there, talk about them. So Zoltan came to the Digital Communications Conference in Chicago last year, talked about it. We have a YouTube video up on it. Go to Gary Pierce's website, the AVRN TV. You'll see it there. You'll see it up on YouTube. So all of the Digital Communications Conference is, you know, our video recorded, so you can go up there and watch them. But to your question of, you know, what is the future, is it's, it still continues to be digital. And so Whisper... Raspberry Pis, man, I can't, I'm just amazed. So we, we live in such a great world today that we have all of these single board computers and there's so many to choose from. And it's kind of fun to watch to see which ones kind of bubble to the top. And it looks like for ham radio, the Raspberry Pi is definitely bubbling up to the top. We, we do see a lot of Arduinos and of course the, all the Arduino compatibles you see, you hear about the BeagleBone Black, and you see a couple of, of daughter boards for those, but Raspberry Pi definitely is winning out. A um, lot of processing power in that little board, you know, low cost, $35. So it's, it's really whatever you can plug into that. And now you see them basically as the processor of choice behind a lot of these projects. So... What can you plug into those? All right, so the world's digital. So we're showing, obviously, Zoltan's daughter board for Whisper on that. That's very popular. You'll also see some P25 demonstrations at the other end of the booth here using just normal, regular, um, off-eBay types of equipment. That's famous with hams. Hams have always managed to, to reuse a lot of surplus equipment and do some really great things with that. Um, we continue with the software-defined radio. Again, software-defined radio, there's probably for a ham radio operator, there's like dozens and dozens of choices. For the past two years, we had uh, Michael Osman of Great Scott's Gadgets in the booth, showing off his Hack RF and his yardstick is now available this year, so that's new. This year, Michael graduated. He has his own booth, so we see Tapper now is an incubator, so we see where we get all of these new ideas and new technologies in the booth, and then they graduate to their own booth. So Michael now has his own booth um, this year. So in that role as incubator, what, what do you guys have in the incubator right now? 
Okay, so Zoltan's one of those incubators, okay? Another one is Brian Fields, and Brian is really a big advocate for using 3.8 gigahertz and also ham mesh, much, so he's a big advocate, and he's a big vocal, you know, get the word out there, and so we're helping Brian get that word out because hams have a tremendous amount of microwave frequencies that are basically becoming very valuable and we're going to lose them if we're not using them. And I think a lot of hams out there have heard that term before. You've got to use them or you're going to lose them. So 3.8 gigahertz is kind of that next territory for us. So there's some off-the-shelf equipment that you can get for um, 3.8, get it down to the ham radio frequencies and, and basically set up an incredibly good, robust you know, internet on ham radio. And a great example of that is the ham mesh that's up in Seattle. There's another smaller ham mesh in Memphis. And then Brian down in the Tampa, St. Pete, Florida area has got another uh, network that they're putting up. And then they're going to get it certified ham mesh as well. So in addition to those, in the past, we've seen Tapper sponsor product runs and, and boards that are created by folks who work with Tapper um, you know, I'm trying to think. There was the the HPSDR HP was a good example last year. What other types of those projects, products, I guess I could call them, that are on the horizon that you guys are going to be sponsoring and make available for sale soon? Okay, so we're we have not only do we have let's say ham radio type associated. There's another side of the technical side of the hobby which is called precision timing. So we have a number of these timing products. Now, they can facilitate accurate timing for experimentation with digital modes. And then there's also a lot of gadgets, like we have the the T2 Mini, and it's a distribution. And it's, it's a very low-cost distribution of DC to 150 megahertz. So we're getting that. That's up in production. So this facilitates not only experimentation, but also the test equipment that you have on your bench. So, you know, you, you've got to build those tools. I mean, if you're going to be a Jedi, you've got to make your own lightsaber. That's awesome. Did you like Episode 7? Yes, I really did. I mean, can we not have more quality Star Wars and now oh did you see CBS has got a trailer for their rebooting Star Trek I did but it was disappointing because it didn't show anything I know but it sure was a teaser but you know like rah 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 I'm there man let's watch it Sorry, so we went off topic. Um, actually, I, I do have a question because I we have friends who are obsessed with precision time and you know you used to be able to get these clock sources off eBay that came out of cell towers and whatnot fairly inexpensively and then all of a sudden people realized what they were the prices have gone up will you guys have a clock source um i don't know let's go back and and talk to the time nuts people and see what what is available and what we can do to to you know give something in the future you know a lot of what i do is scouting and recruiting so I go to a lot of different events, walk around, shake hands, hey, what are you doing? And I'm like, hey, here, come to the DCC, come to the Tapper booth in Hamvention, show your wares. Because, you know, getting, getting the word out is hard for some folks. 
So we help them get that word out. All right, so I, so we've talked about that. So to your question is, you know, do we have this precision timing? Here's the other thing, too, is, is you, if there's a need, all we need to do is let's find out what that need is and let's match that up with the people with the interest and let's make it happen. I like that attitude. <laughs> well, and that's what Tapper's all about. So if you're really into the technical side of the hobby, now in ham radio, there's the QRPers, you know, they're on the, the technical side. They like to build things. They know which side of the soldering iron to pick up. And then there's the microwave group. There's the VHF, UHF. You've got AMSAT for satellites. So if you're really into the technical side of the hobby, there are organizations. So Tapper is more generalist, and we do like to use digital techniques. And I say digital techniques to, to differentiate digital modulation modes, you know, because Tapper has its origins in packet radio, but I want folks to know that it's digital techniques, not necessarily just packet. Or not just PSK31 or whatever. Exactly. So let's get on the technical side of the hobby. Let's create things. Let's enable other hams to have fun with it. Let's enable hams to get their ideas out there. And quite frankly, if you're not having fun, you're doing it the wrong way. So it's interesting you bring up this point about digital because one of the things I have noticed at Dayton this year in talking with companies, and of course every year there's one or two more new small SDR shops that show up, is that digital to the average ham means RIDI, PSK31, JT65. But now more and more when we hear the word digital, we're talking about signals processing. True, and that's that digital techniques. Okay, so to differentiate digital modulations that you named off the real popular ones. So a lot of times, let's go back 20, 30 years, when you said digital, it meant RTTY. Okay, and you know, digital today, there's a whole lineup. And then now we say, okay, now as our radio used to be an analog radio that we did digital things with, now we're, we have digital radios. So this is what we call software-defined radio. So now the radio, instead of being um, an actual component, like a mixer, now you're doing it in math. So really, what if you're really interested in that technology and understanding why that component that was an analog component that was a mixer was actually doing math. And that's kind of the fun of it. It's like, oh, okay, what was it doing? What was the mathematical formula of that analog component? Because, you know, engineers and scientists long ago knew to, okay, to get that RF onto the ether, we had to do this math. Well, they implemented it in analog components. With the high-speed digital components we have today that are incredibly low cost, that even a caveman can now do SDR, okay, there's no reason why you can't do all of the math. So there's a lot of self-exploration. There's a lot of self-learning here. The sky's the limit. What a great world we live in today. There's this thing called the Internet, in case you haven't discovered it. Lots of information out there. All you have to do is just find it. And that's kind of the trouble. And that's where Tapper kind of comes in again, is we're trying to say, hey, have you seen this? Here's the talk. Here's the YouTube. And that way, I, I know that all of the people that come to the Digital Communications Conference, they're coming to sit and listen and learn 
what is the next big thing. Now, one of the things I will say, as somebody who can have these conversations with these folks, and I have know that I've seen the words before, but don't have the mind yet or the advanced skill set to truly understand a lot of what's going on. You know, there there is sometimes a jumping off point, a little bit of a gap for somebody who is technically inclined, but maybe can't sit down and talk to one of your folks about, you know, DSP programming or FPGA programming. What do you recommend people do to try to bridge that gap from the, I get these concepts into, I really want to start playing with this stuff? Okay. And that's a really great question because we don't want to be an organization where, you know, we're Mensa class type of folks. And that's not what we're trying to position ourselves. We're trying to position ourselves with what you just said. Hey, I'm interested in FPGA programming. You know, I, I don't know much about it. Hey, I'm in the daytime, you know, I'm, you know, a regular type of person, but, you know, at night I'm a ninja engineer. And so come by the booth, come to the DCC, have a chat with all of these people. So it's, it's a lot about the socializing, rubbing elbows, asking these types of questions. But to help out with that question directly, there's a number of very low-cost development kits. So people know what it is they want to do, but it's like, how do I get started? Where do I go type of thing? If you've got those kinds of questions, you know, send those over to, the, to tapper at tapper.org. And we can answer them for you. Come, come to the DCC. Come to Dayton. Um, ask these types of questions on the forums. Everybody's had a start. And again, I can't express how wonderful a world it is today because, let's say, getting into FPGA programming 10 years ago would have cost $1,000. FPGA programming today is, is probably well under 100 bucks. So there is one thing I would say about that comment about, you know, you have to you kind of have a project idea, know where to start. But there, we were talking uh, last night about what I'll call the Raspberry Pi problem. People bought a Raspberry Pi because it's a computer the size of a credit card that costs $35. But I'm willing to bet that a significant percentage of them sit there. It's like, it was cool, I played with it, but I didn't really know what I was going to do with it. And I, I will say, this is one of those things where... It's the hello world problem, right? So sometimes it's, it's, it's you're saying, well, I, I'm interested in developing digital radio. I'm interested in playing with it. I'm interested in understanding. But sometimes it's helpful to have a guide that said, okay, we're going to walk through, first of all, getting a, a, you know, a directly sampled signal into the thing. And then we walk through, it's modulate. So you know, kind of putting together materials that help walk you through the basic building blocks is something I think would be really awesome uh, to have for members or non-members who are interested in starting to play with this stuff? No, very good point. Um, if, if that is missing, if, if somebody hasn't already done that, then that identifies a need. And then what we ought to do is sit down and, and do that. Um, let me put in a pitch for Michael Osman and his Hack RF. Um, so you get the Hack RF, and Michael has all those Hello World videos up on YouTube, and he gets you started and gets you going with GNU Radio. So I know a lot of this exists, but if there's not a Hello World for Raspberry Pi getting you up and running, then we need to work on that. So that kind of goes back to about 10 minutes ago when we were talking is we're out recruiting, but if you see something that's a void, that's a need, now, 
You can't really just come to Tapper and say, hey, this is missing. What we're going to do is we're going to help yeah, Good you. luck. Yeah, we're going to help you get this up, okay? But we, it's the volunteers that do the work, you know. And what better person to do a Hello World than somebody who's new to it? Because you get an old-timer doing it, they have this thing that's called the curse of knowledge, and they forget what it's like to be a beginner. But if we can match up an expert with a beginner and videotape that, that'd be magic. I remember I spoke with one of your members, and I, I forget, I think his first name, you have a Jeremy? Oh, yeah, Jeremy McDonough, Dermon. Yeah, so, you know, he's, if I remember correctly, an attorney by day, and then just decided, you know what, I'm going to go learn FPGA programming and implement my own radio. That's true. Uh-huh. I mean, and that's... That's ham radio, and especially here at Hamvention, if you were to stop a random person and say, what do you do during the day, you'd get all the professions, no doubt. And, you know, and, and, and it, it, that's what's magic about it, because then this is how we network, this is how we get to know each other, this is how we socialize, this is us. So the last thing I'll leave you with is, is I asked you a question, or, or we discussed last year about the big three adopting this technology, and then no less than a few months after Dayton last year, ICOM announces what has now become the IC7300, which is a direct conversion receiver, full SDR implementation in a box. So for the average operator out there who, you know, just they want to reap the benefits of SDR without understanding necessarily how everything works, it looks like the, 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 the manufacturers are catching up. I, I guess that, that's a hard one. Okay, the big three all be in Japanese. You know, they are satisfying a worldwide audience. Um, and quite frankly, if there's there's something you want, there is a manufacturer for it. Okay, so that's where you know Flex Radio comes in. Phenomenal, top of the line new technology they've been there for quite a while so really you know and i've said this to countless people for countless different topics but you vote with your checkbook so you can't go around complaining (laughs) that something doesn't exist take your money where you know and you support that organization or that company that does the technology that you want to do well, and I'll, I'll compare the IC73, or sorry, the, yeah, the 7300. Um, there's a difference between an Arduino and a Bearat Megachip. The Bearat Megachip, there were a lot of, uh, you know, development tools required. You might need to know even lower-level programming languages, but the Arduino makes that technology by putting a layer of abstraction and available to everybody. And I think that's kind of what ICOM has done, is finally, you know, SDR for the masses. Okay, and... It, it, again, I think that's where, where do you want to insert yourself? And I think for a beginner who's, you know, like you were saying, an attorney during the day and then ninja engineer at night, is, okay, where do you want to jump in? But, you know, jump. Okay, old Chinese proverb that says a project started is 50% complete. So it's just just that getting started and I I agree I agree it's hard to get started for a number of reasons and it seems like it's this this wall you know that you're trying to push and fight but one day that wall comes down and then it's just it's a tidal wave after that and it's just getting past that wall so don't give up 
it's out there. The answer's there. It's just finding that answer. And the only way you're going to get it is to search the internet, search the forums, ask questions, come to HamFest, ask people, say, hey, I want to do this. You'll find it. You'll find that community. You'll find that thing. And maybe you'll discover something you didn't even know existed, quite frankly. If you know what you're looking for, that's half the battle. But if you discover something that takes you down a whole new path and it's just exciting and fun, great. Follow that path. Outstanding. Well, of course, last question is, you're at Dayton. Is there anything that you're out looking for or plan on going home with? Well, I'm probably going to have at least a half a dozen Raspberry Pi 3s with me. So I don't actually, I'll take a moment. I uh, I started building, uh, cluster's the wrong word, but they're stacked together. And um, so I have a couple of eight-node Pi, quote, air quote, clusters uh, supporting Einstein at home. Are you familiar with that project? No, I'm not. Um, I, I did buy a couple of the... Um, that that little five dollar Raspberry Pi, the, yeah. the zero, yeah. So I've got those on the bench to play with. So my clusters basically they it's a distributed computing platform similar to SETI at home. And if you remember the news about gravitational waves, this is the program that's taking data from Arecibo, distributing it, doing like binary pulsar searches and whatnot. Um, but actually, a little plug, there's a Raspberry Pi team that I started for this, and that's actually been a lot of fun getting kind of plugged into signals processing that I have nothing to do with, but I get to watch my unit count go up for as it completes things. And how can hams do that? How can hams use their frequency and do this massive computing, and we can distribute it? So there's probably a, a germ of an idea there that hams can get involved with. All right, let's develop that. Steve, thank you so much for taking your valuable time. I always love talking to you. Uh, Great. Thank you, Jeremy, and it's great to talk with you again this year. Take care. Thanks.